Entertainment's podcast from Bottom Line Technologies. The United Nations quoted that financial crime costs the global economy between three and five trillion dollars a year. But only one percent of those illegal gains are frozen or seized by authorities. It's understandable that financial firms and large organizations are devoting much attention to fighting payment fraud and complying with sanctions obligations. But how successful are they really? And should they be doing more? Hello, my name is Ruud Grotens. I'm the head of solution consulting for financial crimes at Bottom Line. And today I'm with Omri Kletter, our global VP of product and strategy for fraud and financial crime products. Welcome to the payments podcast, Omri. Uh, thank you. Um, great to be here and great to be here with you, Ruud. You know, um, just for the benefit of the audience, uh, you and I know each other from previous life, from previous organizations. I'm, I'm so glad we have the opportunity uh, to work now together and um, help the industry and bottom line to fight fraud and financial crime. Thank you very much, Omri, and likewise. Um, Omri, the title for this op- episode is Getting One Up on Fraud and Sanctions Compliance. But here's the thing, uh, fraud prevention and sanctioned compliance aren't new, right? Um, in fact, sanction screening is one of the most important things an organization can do to protect funds from malicious activity. And the importance is in increasing daily. Um, so really, it's a critical part of the payment uh, life cycle when it comes to successfully flagging a fraudulent transaction or catch a payment heading to a sanctioned entity. But it's not as simple as it sounds, as you know. Um, Absolutely. What about legitimate transactions that get stopped, uh, disrupted operations, uh, delaying settlement, and most important, causing friction to the customer? So I'm talking about customer experience here. Omri, what's what's behind that? So you are really touching. You know, there is a lot of there's a lot of things, small things in in, in how you frame it and that. Great challenges in the industry. You, you know, I think your starting point around the fact that these things are not new is super valid. But I think it, it does. You know, it is important that we underscore the changes that are going throughout the industry. Um, the changes, obviously, in, in the payment landscape, in the greater pressure not only banks feel, by the way, uh, with the need to comply with fraud and financial crime. I think you know especially from our unique point of view in bottom line, it's not only banks, it's also how we help corporates. Um, and, and we know that with great power comes great responsibility. So the notion that additional players should should take part in, in fighting for financial crime. So you're absolutely right. It's not new, but you're absolutely also right to underscore the importance of how you balance a foreign financial crime and how you balance a, the need to comply and to stop things with the need to reduce friction as much as we can and the expectations from uh, the user side that will provide a frictionless experience and will do more behind the scenes. And practically, when we talk about doing more behind the scenes, it's how we obviously uh, utilize technology um, in order to better detect, to reduce false positive and, and to overcome the current challenges out there. Uh, we all know that um, the industry and, and the different players are, are full with uh, issues like uh, disconnected uh, legacy systems. Um, we have issues on, on, on resources of actually 
uh, investigating uh, the tools. If you go to many of the operational centers of foreign financial crime, uh, and that's true, by the way, to tier one banks, but also to tier four and five. I think generally we need to think about the industry in a much more granular and fragmented way. You won't see, I would, I would argue that you won't see enough change um, in terms of uh, how things have been done five or seven or 10 years ago than how things being now. So I think the overall platform for, for, for this um, uh, podcast, the question that you uh, smartly asked um, is, yeah, yes, it is time to um, press sometimes the reset button and come up with, with new metho- methods and, and new solutions. Um, and I think at the moment, um, the gaps are, are clear, um, both on the fraud side and on, and on the sanction side. And I think to a certain degree, the, the way that you framed it about how we can think about it more jointly is super valid. Um, uh, you know, you, you feel free to share your point of view, but I think it would be f- fine to say that the current status is, uh, in the industry is insufficient to a certain degree. I, I fully agree, uh, Omri, and, and I also believe there are invisible costs as well, right? Especially when you look into uh, customer banking and, and customer experience, this is highly competitive. Uh, I think if the customer ex- if customer had a bad experience, I mean, they won't go for an additional product maybe, or they worst case, in worst case, they go to another bank. Uh, absolutely, and, and you know, we, we are... Um, recording this podcast where there is a big discourse and a strong discourse, obviously, if you read the newspapers around the sh- shortage of uh, um, uh, lorry drivers or <laughs> truck drivers, I would say there is definitely a, also shortage in, in compliance officers and, and, and uh, team members that can uh, help with the increased amounts of, of alerts and issues. And I think this is also part of um, you think why uh, looking at things more jointly in, in the same essence that we are framing fraud and financial crime together or to have the ability to look on the payment in a coherent way and to score it. There is also a shortage uh, in, 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 our, in, in the industry ability to deal with the increased amounts and the changes in the payments industry, uh, for example, instant payment. So um, definitely um, call for action. And, and doing more with less, right? Absolutely. Um, do you believe there are quick wins or is it a journey? So it's definitely a journey, definitely a journey, but with some low-hanging fruits. And I, and I, and I think there are a few things, um, at least from our experience, again, looking from, from, from the payments point of view, which I think is very important. Um, I think a, 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 smart, a smart step forward would be uh, to think about cloud strategy, for example. Um, and the reason I'm starting with the cloud strategy is because if we, if we need to frame the, one of the main changes that is happening at the moment is the rapidness of changes, right? So if you think about banks' compliance team, and I know that in, in our audience, we, um, we have a few members of, of this community, the numbers of changes that they need to address in a year is five, six times higher than a few years ago. Uh, it's true for the new regulations that come in. It's true to the new uh, products that the uh, payments uh, team will try to introduce in order to obviously be, be more competitive, et cetera, et cetera. And I think uh, while there is no necessarily one, one silver bullet that uh, changes it or, or fix it, 
I think starting from let's build the cloud strategy, consumable strategy when we deal with payments fraud and compliance together through cloud, maybe by the way, integrated with with the payment story would be a very critical start point. Um, and then there are other things we can uh, we can think about. Uh, there is definitely ability to improve uh, the results if we invest more in the user experience of the investigator. Definitely uh, connected to your smart point route around do more uh, with less. So how we can convert eight-minute investigation into three-minute investigation. Um, these are, I would start with these uh, two critical elements, thinking about the cloud on one hand and moving things to be more consumable and more integrated with the payment journey. This is true both for payments fraud and for compliance, which think that the uh, co- connecting tissue between them is the need in both cases to make decision in real time, especially in real time environment uh, on the transaction. So that's one thing. And the second thing is really to ask us each one of each one of the audience members can stop for a second, reflect and ask, are we doing enough to make the investigation process uh, easier and, and more flexible? And I think that would be a great remedy. And to, to your question, in many cases, low-hanging fruit. Right. Thank you, Omri. Um, Omri, I want to take a moment to talk about payment digitization. Um, we are operating in an uh, ever-changing landscape where everything is becoming more digitized and, and, and certainly faster, including the movements of funds like faster payments in the UK or instant payments elsewhere. Uh, from a real-time fraud prevention and sanctions compliance perspective, what are, in your opinion, the important things to be aware of? Um, very good question. Um, and I think, first of all, it starts from the point that if there are changes in, in the payment landscape and the real-time element is one of them, uh, there, is, <laughs> there, there is a need to ask ourselves, Do we, is the the tool we're using today, the, uh, does the, the method that we are implementing and, and focusing on today sufficient for the, sufficient for the problem we're trying to solve? Um, and I'm starting with that because um, I, can, I, I can start with, with one big question in front of us, volumes. We know when, when, when we talk about digitalization, as, as you framed it, one of the main impacts of that is our ability as users uh, to create 10x transactions uh, compared to before in, in the same business, right? So it's easy for us to create more transactions. It's easy for us to log in. It's easy for us to set up a new payee. It's easy for us to even set uh, micropayments in a regular base because I'm, I'm just using my mobile, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the biggest impacts of digitalization is not just the speed that you alluded to, is also the volumes. And I think we know that many of the organizations out there are still handling these issues uh, sometimes in a manual way, uh, or in, in some legacy solutions that haven't been built uh, for this type of volume. So I, I think the volume element is critical, the ability to have infrastructure that can scale. We are expecting uh, the and, you know the digitalization revolution didn't uh, finish yet, and we're expecting to see more and more uh, transactions and events coming into uh, the gateways of these compliance solutions. So you know, I can tell you that we invested heavily in creating new infrastructure that is you know putting the legacy <laughs> constraints be- behind, and I think this is true. Um, this that would be a, a very important best practice uh, right. for organizations, banks, and corporates alike. 
Yeah, thank you for that answer, Omri. And, and this might be a more difficult question to answer, um, quite intriguing for me. Um, how do financial institutions or corporates know if their fraud or sanction system is effective? Opinion. Does the perfect solution exist? What is the role of data? Yes. Yeah, so, so this is a you know this is a viable question, and 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 here's something that I, I I'm not uh, willing to say. Say so you need only one solution. There is a bulletproof point. Just buy X, and you are covered. I think it would be irresponsible to say, but I think that I'll, things um, banks and corporates should think about. First, I, I really, I, I, I'm a strong believer in the, in the concept of coexistence and to have more than one a, a control in, in the journey. Um, I can tell you, for example, we are very focused on finding ways to have this control sometimes in, in the gateways, understanding that the bank or the corporate may have solution solutions before that, but there is a benefit, there is a better uh, I think setup and configuration. If you have more than one, just one a, a place or one junction in the journey, when you are asking yourself, is this payment a legit one? Uh, is this payment a legit one, both from a fraud perspective, from APP fraud or account takeover, and and to have the ability to ask yourself again with the additional data that is available for you, if this uh, transaction is compliant from a sanctions perspective or other watchlist considerations. So I think one best practice is actually to have multiple points in the journey where you want to inject foreign financial crime. I think there is definitely a benefit to uh, combine uh, the payment fraud and the sanctions into one a more uh, valuable uh, centralized place where you have the ability to uh, inject your own logic. One thing that was very important for us when we designed things was to also allow customers the ability uh, to have greater control, to define their own logic, uh, to maintain their own lists. Um, th this is critical. So I think there is no one solution that vendor can provide. This, that's the only thing that you need. I think a good solution that provides the customer the ability to configure and to have um, their own control is, is critical too. Omri, this, this is really uh, insightful. Um, Omri, we have covered a faster world of payment processing, but coming out of COVID, there's also a new world post-pandemic of uh, remote working. In your opinion, how does that impact fraud detection and prevention measures? And what are the additional challenges that uh, financial institutions and corporates, corporates face here? Definitely, um, definitely a new world. There is, um, you know, there used to be um, a saying in um, um, in uh, old Hebrew and say, if you want to care something, you say, I, I wish you to live in interesting uh, times. <laughs> I wish you to live in interesting times. And and one can say that we are definitely living in interesting times. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so, uh, so I'll share my, my point of view on that. And I, I'll be glad to, to hear your, your point of view on, on this topic too. So one of the first thing coming to my mind when we talk about the additional risk, and there is no question about it, there is an additional risk in the new work environment, new world environment, is really um, a, the, the risk with internal threat and internal fraud. We're seeing it on, on, on two elements. One is where employees or internal uh, 
contacts to the organizations. It could be also contractors who are obviously talking about more complex environment than just direct employees. The risk can come from within um, directly in the essence that, you know, we are seeing, by the way, sometimes employees working in, in, in more than one company in parallel, all this working from home in, uh, uh, scenario enabled it. So I think there is greater need to have the ability to monitor and scrutinize um, employees in the essence that, you know, ensuring that they are complying with their data access, with how they operate. Um, and, and, and there is definitely higher need to have better monitoring. We are heavily invested, you know, helping many organizations. And, and by the way, when you think about that, this is, a, again, another example where it's not only banks, right? We are helping tier one banks globally on that. We are helping also small organizations, but we're seeing a greater need from non-banks to make sure that uh, there is a proper monitoring of uh, employee activity, especially remotely, especially when it's not only about protecting the money, but also protecting uh, in the, the access uh, to some uh, sensitive information. But the second element of that, and that's absolutely related to things we, we've seen before, like in the uh, famous Bangladesh money heist, et cetera, et cetera, where the employee are, you know, the employees are fine, they are, they are definitely on, on the good side, but there are some a, a weaknesses on their side, on their devices, a, and there is ability to compromise the access a, of the employees. So I think there is a greater need, if you think about that, to ensure that uh, activities that are done into the payment system that we used to see coming only from on-site, but the reality is that we know that many of the payments processes, if you think about SWIFT, uh, a, 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 control rooms and, and wire rooms in, in the US uh, are being accessed by employees from remote. And I think here, again, there is a need, a greater need to monitor and to score these payments, looking for abnormalities, having this, if you like, scorecard and profiling capabilities on the payments in real time, as you alluded before, this is This is at least my point of view. I, I would be happy to hear your two cents on that too. Yeah, but it also triggers an, an, an another important uh, thing. Um, I believe that's all about regulatory requirements, um, monitoring user activity, monitoring employee behavior. What you're thinking around data privacy of employees, GDPR issues, because I agree, the more data, the better. Actually, that's that's what we all like in financial crime. But there are regulatory restrictions here. Um, so I think well, that, how far can we go? <laughs> so so I, I think first of all, coming and under and, and designing, you know, w- w- designing the, the solution from the starting point of the regulation is important. I can tell you a, a, that for, at least from our point of view, there is no one size fits all. And we're working very closely in different territories, a, on on different abilities and needs, and um, on what to collect, how to collect, how to gain consent. Etc. Etc. What I can tell you, uh, like like in many cases, is actually that metadata enough it can can be very helpful. And, and in many cases, the metadata, i.e., we are not seeing exactly what's being done, but we can have a, a, the overall framework of the data being accessed, could be uh, hinting enough uh, to generate the smart alerts that then um, move you into action. So I think that. My my read of the 
the GDPR, it's not only my read, but, but our customers read on, on the GDPR, on the different regulation, mean, that doesn't mean that there is no way or there is no ability to collect enough information to uh, generate uh, the detection process. And in the end of the day, uh, GDPR is not only about how we protect, uh, protect the employees, but also how we protect the bank's customers, how we protect the, um, uh, the corporate's customers. Uh, from making sure that their data is not um, uh, compromised. So it's actually one way to look at it in the other way around. These tools can actually help many of the organizations to comply with GDPR and other privacy regulation, making sure that whatever the end customer, the actual owner of the data, uh, has to do with the data is being, uh, being um, respected. That's really an interesting perspective, Omri. Um, Omri, you have spoken a lot about general fraud prevention, but for criminals, uh, money laundering and fraud now go hand in hand, right? So if fraud happens, then we know the next step is money laundering. Correct. Um, I'd like to shift a bit and talk about money laundering and sanctions compliance. Not so long ago, I saw that according to uh, Kroll's annual enforcement review 2021, it reported the total failure of AML enforcement um, has rocketed. In fact, it stated that it had reached 2.2 billion US dollars by the end of 2020. Uh, and that is five times higher than in 2019. Um, how can a change in approach to sanction compliance help organizations avoid uh, becoming part of this st statistic? Uh, this is, you know, th this is, you know, the, the, the statistics you are sharing is really mind blowing and, and absolutely uh, strong reminder of the different forces that are um, acting or uh, impacting the industry. And I think to a certain degree, a good starting point to think about it is, you know, asking ourselves why this is happening. And I've, I've joined a, a panel recently with some law enforcement leaders uh, in, in North America, and, and the way that they framed it was quite interesting. We're all familiar with the famous quote of, I think, von Clausewitz that war is the continuation of diplomacy, by, by, but with different means. And to a certain degree, sanctions today is the continuation of diplomacy, but in, in different means, right? We are seeing uh, dramatic changes or, or um, the ability for governments globally to translate their uh, political policy into, okay, we, we are moving from this policy to the other, and the outcome of that we're adding this country and these entities or whatever into the sanctions list. So, so I think that the magnitude of utilizing this tool as part of the if you like global diplomacy has increased. And, and, and hence, I believe, and I think that was at least the, the point of view on that panel, we're seeing more and more interest and more and more focus in, on uh, injecting or enforcing, I would say, these policies. And again, this is not only about banks. We're seeing I can tell you from our point of view, and, and you know, bottom line is very global. We have data centers in Asia, in, in, in Switzerland, in the US, in the UK. I can tell you that there are certain industries that are being more and more scrutinized. The maritime industry, gas and oil, gas and oil industry. Um, we know that these uh, specific industries, and, and, and more, by the way, pharmaceutical and other areas where we're seeing the money movement or the ability to ensure that the money moves only from legit point A to legit point B, is more and more critical. So I think this is 
this is a key element. And then, you know, maybe tying back to what I said around the changes uh, that are much more rapid, that's, you know, connected to where we started the discussion, the importance of having a cloud-based solution when you can actually change much faster. The ability to bring your own, uh, you know, to configure your own customized uh, logic, customized UIs, and customized sometimes entities. This is very critical if you want to make sure that your organization is not yet another organization that will uh, pay, the, pay, the, pay these fines and, and be liable as, as the core annual enforcement review uh, tells us very well. Yeah. I, I'm happy to hear your point of view, but I think yeah. this, is the, this is the starting point. Your commentary has been very engaging and insightful for me, and I hope for our listeners as well. Uh, we have covered a lot of ground, but before we close out, could you share three key takeaways for our listeners? So I will start with, uh, thank you, Rudan, and I'll start with, with the importance of collaboration and, and convergence, right? To, to a certain degree, you know, we alluded to that about the fact it's not only banks, it's corporates. Working together is critical. And, and this is also within the organization. Within the organization means that the topics of fraud and financial crime are not relevant only for the foreign compliance officer. We want to make sure that we are helping also the payments operation team in their journey so they can help internally. So um, collaboration in the organization and, and in the industry. I think uh, it's important, and I think you alluded very well, to be more aware about the increasing fraud threats that are going beyond in the direct payment, so internal threat is definitely there. And I think, you know, we, we talked about it. There is an opportunity now. It's not only about the challenge. All, all, usually, you know, these podcasts, these events, and there are so many challenges, but there is also, I want to underscore, there is a great opportunity around simplicity. Uh, the ability today to go live within weeks with a joint solution for fraud and for sanction is within reach. And I think there are definitely there is definitely a perfect storm, and um, I believe um, you know the industry can work together to benefit from. Thank you very much, Omri. Uh, chatting to you has been hugely insight for me, and hopefully for our listeners too. Uh, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. But the uh, Payments Podcast channel and our website, bottomline.com, are great sources of information for all things payments related. Thanks again, Omri. Thank, thank you, you for your time and a thank you to our listeners as well. Thank you very much. The Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.